It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for turning, tuning into, I said turning in, didn't I? Tuning into counterculture. Yes, this crazy little show that we believe that following Jesus is countercultural. Jesus gave us a, a low road, a low way, a, lo, a road that promotes peacemaking. Uh, in a culture that tears things down, he promotes uh, a building up culture. And in a culture that can be uh, competitive and, and crush others, he promoted loving the weak and the vulnerable. So we, we want to be following that way, the way of Jesus, and to be countercultural. And so we're looking, we're meeting people all across America, really. And today in, in studio, we have exciting, right, our fellow Phoenician, Michael Shapiro. Hello, Michael. Hello. And, Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Michael is the executive director of the Swap Out. Am I Swap Out? Swap Out, yeah. But there's a plus sign there. Do I, do I have to say pl- plus Swap Out? No, just Swap Out Plus. Swap Out Plus Foundation, a nonprofit organization that gives Arizona foster children the opportunity and ability to thrive through skateboarding. So before taking this role, Michael, but just so that Michael has done some really cool stuff, and I'm just really I'm really happy he's in the in studio today. He's worked for twelve years as a school teacher in the Washington Elementary School District, which has to say something about his character and resilience. He lives with his wife, Robin, and his son, Simeon, in central Phoenix. And he enjoys, of course, skateboarding and cycling, archery, and all forms of wilderness travel. So basically, if you're, if you're going to put Michael and I and drop us off in the wilderness, he would last for 30 days. I'd last for 30 minutes. You know, and so that that's just that tells you a lot about the kind of character, like who this guy is, and who who I am definitely not. So, yeah, hey, but I can find I can find a good latte. <laughs> I'd help you too. By the okay, way, okay, okay, that's great. <laughs> Pick out a good outfit for a, you know. I don't know, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> so, Michael, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited about this. So we, uh, there's so many questions, and before we get into all the questions of learning about Swap Out Foundation, we play this little game called Fake News. And there's so you lit we list you, you know you say two things about yourself, one of which is true, one of which is not true in any order, and I try to guess which one is fake. Okay. Okay. So go for it. Okay. Two things. First thing, I rescued somebody who was drowning. While surfing in San Diego. Okay. Rescued someone in drought. Okay. Second one, I won a storytelling contest when I told about a time I was in the middle of the wilderness, surrounded by javelina while being naked. Okay. In- <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Uh, he, I'm going to guess the first one, you know, either one of those could be true. They're both wilderness related. And you're, you're, you're Grizzly Adams, basically, if, if Phoenix uh, but I'm going to say the the rescue someone when they were drowning is fake. Yeah, yeah, it true. is. Yes. <laughs> wow. So what was the story you with you, you the story you you were surrounded by javelinas? Truly, yeah. So first, I was actually saved from drowning while surfing. Oh, that was you. Okay, my good friend Dave, 
and that's why I'm here today. Okay. But also, um, yeah, I found myself in the middle of the Hasiampa Creek Wilderness outside of Wickenburg. Uh, it's a long story, <laughs> but uh, f- fell in the hey, no judgment zone. This is no judgment zone. <laughs> My clothing was completely soaked. I was uh, soaked with sand by myself in the middle of nowhere. So I thought, I'll take my clothes off, dry them out, make a little fire. And as I was sitting there by the fire, I felt like I was being watched. And as I looked, I was surrounded by javelina. uh, It's a story I can share another time. Yeah, that's a true story. Wow, that's a great story. Yeah, not everyone can say that. (laughs) That's good. And I don't know, I I have this weird, I think I'm about 75% accuracy. So I don't, and and God humbles me a lot, but I just felt, that felt like that could have been true. With you, I, you know, so really good, good. Okay, so now there's another story that I I do know about because we've hung out a little bit before. I do know about that. I'm that the, there's rumors that you were Forrest Gump, and that you went across America. Ran, you walked across America. Is that true? Yeah. So um, I'm not Forrest Gump. No, but I uh, I did walk with my good friend Josh from Mexico to Canada. Wow. Pacific Crest Trail. And we made a point to walk every every step of the way. It's uh, almost three thousand miles. Okay. And it took us six months uh, walking every day for about twenty miles a day. Twenty miles a day, six months. Why? Well, um, I knew I had a window of time. I had just graduated from college. I wasn't married. I didn't have a house payment, and I knew that this window was small. That life would get busy. Right. And um, for a lot of reasons. One, maybe the reason why we're on this show is I wanted to know if my faith would stand up without the structure of Christian culture. Yeah. Um, I wanted to have a true rite of passage, something that yeah. really challenged me. Mm. I wanted to um, experience a true adventure rather than read about one like Lewis and Clark. Right. Or, and I wanted to uh, see what I was made of, to see if I could truly live uh, in the wilderness, hike, experience w- wildlife and uh, the monotony of walking every day. And it was a, a formative experience. It really changed who I am and uh, has prepared the way for a lot of the work I'm doing now. So that alone could be a great show. That's such an amazing story because I, I resonate with so many of those themes because we get, atta- we get attached to the comforts of our culture. Uh, we don't have rites of passage for men. We don't really ever face some significant challenge by, by choice in order to approve something. Those are, those are great, great themes. Yeah. And we often end up with a, with a soft faith, if it, you know, or very, a very weak faith that can just blow around like the wind. I think, too, I think so important is the aspect of solitude with cell phones and technology always at our fingertips. To spend six months in relative solitude, um, it was pre-cell phone, satellite phones. Right. So it was probably the last generation to live for that long without being really plugged in. And what was funny is my mind resisted it at first. Right. It was like, no, like the theme song to Laverne and Shirley came in right. my head. And, okay. And then about a month in, there was real clarity. And a lot of the things that I've done now in my life stemmed from that experience in the wilderness of being still long enough to, to really hear guidance. Wow. I think the, the idea of be still and know that I am God is such a foreign part of our worship part of our Christian discipline, and it's such a you, – you live that. You, you, you had that in your life. Yeah. And I, really, really, each week I try to do that. I yeah. sense of like a snow globe. You know, it's, it's shaking and the snow's flurrying, and you have to be still long enough to see the image that's within that globe, and that comes with stillness. Mm, wow. Fantastic. That alone, we could just talk about that. But you, have, you lead a ministry that comes from a heart. 
before we get into the actual ministry itself, there's a heart in you that wanted to create something like this. Where does that heart come from? Well, our work is primarily with Arizona foster children. And uh, really, it it began with a a friendship. Uh, Joe Dunnigan, who is the founder of our foundation, the Swapow Plus Foundation, um, he and I kind of birthed this together. But I felt the signs of it early on as a school teacher. My last year of teaching, um, I knew I was supposed to be there one more year. Mm, and mm-hmm. I, I, told you, I told you earlier on I talked too much, but I, I literally saved somebody with a Heimlich maneuver at our, during our uh, <laughs> winter break, during our uh, Christmas party. I knew I, I needed to stay for that. Right. But then I also had a lot of foster kids in my classroom that year um, and really beautiful kids, and, and I had a real heart for them. I saw foster kids come, find safety, refuge, uh, affirmation um, in our room and then kind of be uprooted and disappear. And I wanted to uh, really help these kids. One formative event was we had a student who um, we read as a class uh, a local author's book called Train I Ride. Paul Mosier wrote this book and it's a beautiful story about a character named Ryder who lives in Palm Springs. Her mom dies. Uh And she travels across the country to go to Chicago to live with her great uncle because okay. her grandmother died and she's in foster care. And the story is about this character finding refuge, healing, and really just protection from the train and the okay. characters on this train. So we read the book as a class. The author was invited in and the student stood up with the author and said, I am the main character. I'm writer. And this classroom, Mr. Shapiro's class, is the train I ride. And this is where I found healing and health wow. and renewal and hope and also healing from grief. And the author and myself and many others were really moved. I'd say. And, uh, and we realized that the heroes really are the ones who adopt foster kids right. and, and, or, or um, shelter them. But um, mm. we realized you can still have a role in the lives of these kids in a small way. Another kid in our class that year got adopted. And when he walked in, we knew he had just come from the court. We gave him a standing ovation. And he felt so special. And so we realized we've been doing this kind of work informally most of our life. And it's now time to apply it to the most vulnerable population we know, which is foster kids. Fantastic. And because you lived it as a teacher in a Title I school district, and so you lived out, you saw this, and then this oh, that makes so much sense. That's ex- super exciting. So then you started the Swap Out Foundation. Yeah. Well, um, Joe Dunnigan really is the founder. It was his idea. And he – I realize that I'm also a subject in this okay. movement. Yeah. Uh, through many people uh, are giving me an opportunity to grow and blossom and to stretch out of my comfort zone. So I really do want to credit him. He was the – this was his idea. And he really sort of handed this to me and said, do something with this. Right. And I really have a sense of uh, a stewardship. You know, don't bury it. Yeah. I may not be the perfect guy. I'm not great in a lot of ways, but I know I've been given something. And so mm-hmm. I want to be um, faithful with it. And so do you want to know about yeah, what it? Yeah, tell me exactly what it is. So Swapow Plus Foundation is a nonprofit organization. And we do events. We started out doing events with kids in foster care. And the events are skateboarding events. 
skateboarding is a sport that resonates with kids. Right. It's, it's a little bit edgy. It's fun. It's exciting, a bit dangerous. Mm-hmm. Kids see it on TV, play on the video games, and they're interested in it. And so we have events where um, 35, 40 kids come. We have about a three to one ratio of a coach to a participants. And uh, we have a motivational message, a message of affirmation. Uh, I love the, the phrase that says validation is not for parking only. Right. You know, that, yeah. that we need validation. So through validation, through a life lesson, um, something like falling isn't failure. We right. get back up. Right. And then the kids have an opportunity for the first time to ride a skateboard. Most of them have never stepped on a skateboard before. Okay. We give them a skateboard to keep. We give them a helmet to keep. And then we spend a few hours with them where they ride a skateboard. And so many kids, especially underprivileged kids, have this idea that if I try something, I might fail. So if I don't try something, I won't fail. So they remain doing passive activities, video games, right. where there's low risk. Right. So these kids are trying something new. They're experiencing the joy of it. And there's a sense of accomplishment. Mm. So when the kids come to our events, oftentimes they'll have their hoods up. If they have phones, they'll have their phones out. They're kind of tuned out. And by the end, through being affirmed, through having a, a, a real great experience, being stretched out of their comfort zone, and then being affirmed publicly because we come back around and we say, by the way, you did this. And we, in front of everybody, acknowledge something they've done well. And... Uh, then we give them a chance to share, Fantastic. to affirm each other, and to uh, share some life lessons they've learned. For example, don't compare yourself to others mm-hmm. or stay flexible, not rigid. And so the whole mood changes. Mm. Everything, uh, that, that kind of per- self-protective mode gets into a real openness. And we've had foster parents go, I've been with this, this person for years, and they never I've never seen that way. part of them because it's a whole different dynamic that stretches them or put, yeah. Yeah, so it accelerates trust. Mm. I also think they sense our sincerity, yeah. and they know we really care. And uh, because of that, I think they feel safe as well. Uh, well, this is that sounds super exciting. So, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We have in studio Michael Shapiro. He's the executive director of the Swap Out Plus Foundation, sharing about his ministry with foster youth and skateboarding, and you know, the, the merging together has really brings a, a magical. Well, magical is not the right word, but a, a, a dynamic that's really powerful. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. So now we've been in this – you mentioned events. Now with all that's going on in the world, events are probably hard to do. Yeah. So what is, what's been happening in the last six months? Yeah. So we realized just like the whole world that there was going to be a, a pivot. There was going to be some changes and maybe even some new normal. And we are often inspired by the foster care community, their resilience, their resourcefulness, their positive outlook even in the midst of hardship. Mm-hmm. And as an organization that serves foster kids, we realized we had to rise up to the occasion. We couldn't just sit there and wait. We just couldn't um, stay with what we knew. And skateboarders too. I mean, skateboarding itself, sidewalk surfing, it's an adaptation. Right. Um, we skate pools that are empty. We skate handrails. Sure. Wherever. Okay. Yeah. And so um, we have formed uh, right away. We formed and really formalized the lessons we've been teaching. I visited one of our participants for nine months in jail every week. Okay. And, wow. And loosely based on that, uh, we created a curriculum. Uh, my wife, Robin, 
made it online. She created this and built this program, and I brought the content. And what it is, it's a program that lasts three months. It parallels skateboarding, skateboarding progression, and life skills. Mm. And so the kids have a skateboard skills library they can actually access and progress in skateboarding. And then they uh, go through the curriculum each week, a weekly lesson. One of the lessons might be healthy fear versus unhealthy fear, Mm. how some fears hinder us and hold us back and we need to press into them. And some fears protect us and we need to listen to it. And so then we have a weekly meeting with each participant one-on-one. Wow! And so each of these kids who are without any healthy outlets, sort of captive in their apartments or in their group homes, are now meeting with someone who cares. There's a relevance. They like skateboarding. They can do it anywhere. Uh, most sports and camps and schools were closed. Okay. You can ride a skateboard on a sidewalk or in a driveway. And so these kids truly were progressing in a sport, having a physical outlet, getting outside, and also meeting with a caring person um, every week. And so we're really proud of it. Uh, sure, Arizona sure. DCS has affirmed and validated what we're doing. And um, it's, it resonates. I, I went to visit some of the kids toward the end because we've had our first graduating class. And uh, I realized it, it translated. They huh. skated. There was a, a bond that was developed virtually that when I met them, I thought it would be awkward. But it was like I was an old friend. Huh. And, uh, and so we're really excited about merging these two together, the in-person events, the uh, virtual skateboard academy. Right. And we also do art workshops and other things, skateboard graphic design workshops right. to appeal to uh, all different creative types. And I, I think there's one – I think it's so important to, to really engage and foster youth that you, find, you meet them at their level. In the, um, but you find, like, you find some kind of common denominator and that always seems like as an, you know, a middle-aged white guy, how can I relate? But you give you, – like you have a connection point in skateboarding. That's right. Yeah. All of my life skateboarding, I've had the opportunity to speak into the lives of kids. They've given me permission to speak in their lives because I speak the language of skateboarding. I skate with them. And so at an early age, they would ask me questions like, should I try cocaine? And I'm maybe the only person they're asking this question to. Wow. And obviously I say, don't. It'll derail you. Yeah. And so in the same way, skateboarding and its relevance – gives us permission to speak in the kids' lives in right. a way that no organizations are, I don't right. think. No, that's really cool. So now in a bigger picture, we're talking about – lo- I love talking about the church because we all, we're, we all are part of a church or, or, or part of the, bo- the large body of Christ. And we often f- – what do you think the church needs to hear now when, in the, in, when you're talking about the ministry that you're doing? What, is, what does the church need to know? Well, I – Do differently. I, I love the – the idea of a church being a place of light. And there are a lot of churches in the valley that are that. And how when you see light and it's really dark, it's really appealing. It's really attractive. It's, it's, uh, it's like there's light. Uh, we had a, and some neighbors who were super sketchy about eight years ago. They had aluminum foil on their windows. Okay. Uh, yeah. They only operated at night. And uh, we finally saw them leave. And the house was dormant for a while. But then new people moved in. Mm. The first thing they did was draw the curtains. And they had this beach ball-sized light in their living room. And just that was changed our corner of our neighborhood. Yeah. It created an inviting presence. And I think the church has that opportunity um, to offer healing, to offer protection, to offer illumination, 
in our communities. And I love some of the churches who, when we say, this is what we do, we were working with a modern day orphan. Yeah. And some churches go, we're in, we're on board. Use right. our facility. Compass Church, uh, in the East Valley. Right. The bridge, uh, they're like, use our facility. Yeah. And, um, I think what it does, and it really aligned to the theme of your show, is that that light that the church shows and that, uh, the healing and renewal that happens is attractive regardless if mm. people have the same beliefs. Mm. It's like, of course we want that in our neighborhood, in our right. community. And uh, and I I think the church should be more a part of that. They're less about what we believe and more about the healing work that we're doing in our community. I would guess most pastors would say that their church just seeks to be a light. Yeah. So I th- yet, yet often many people's experience with it doesn't necessarily feel like light. So what what would be something practical in in light of being the light that would really especially to like foster youth? Yeah. I think simply extending an invitation to a community that's not necessarily the ones that always come in. Mm-hmm. Um, the foster kids who come to the bridge, it's a nice facility and they're invited there. Right. And they're uh, the welcomed guest and they have a sense of belonging there. Grand Canyon University hosted uh let us host an event there. And it, for a many, it was the first time that these kids had ever seen a university. Really? And they were there by invitation. And so many of the kids said, I'm going to go here when I grow up. Wow. You know, and so I think offering that invitation. And that's why we love skateboarding. Skateboarding is a sport for outcasts and outsiders. Yeah. <laughs> it was much more prior, but it still is. And so you get used to getting kicked out of places. You get used to being kind of shunned. And, and so we're inviting these kids in. We're taking interest in their lives and we're giving them guidance. Mm. And so they're invited onto facilities and in places that uh, uh, make them feel like they're insiders. They belong. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, there are definitely practical ways to be right. That's usually not a target demographic for a lot of churches, where, like in terms of like how you would grow a church or what. Yet you're really showing well, that's the heart of Christ. Yeah. Of when you look at who are the de- the dejected and the downcasts and cre- the, of the society, yeah. not not by God, but but society yeah. and the, the and the the sin of the world has cast them out. Yet the church is called to embrace these kids, and you're you've provided an, in a sense an on ramp. Uh, a, a way for both the church to connect and for these kids to to see something, a world that maybe they would never have had the opportunity. Totally. Yeah. yeah I, I think the church that invites Jesus in, I think in our own lives and in churches, he stands at the door and knocks. And yeah. he comes by invitation only. Yeah. And he comes by invitation. And when he does, he moves the furniture around a bit. Mm. And, yeah. <laughs> and we conform more to yeah. his ways. And I think truly his ways if we align and become a part of in service to him, it's the rebuilding, yeah. the redeeming, the restoring huh. uh, of things. And so if we're in his service or if a church is in his service, they'll largely be doing that kind wow. of work. Our CEO has a prophecy. He's, he believes in prophecy and has a prophecy that the that, uh, children are – God is going to use the, the, the children that have been cast out by the sin of the world to, to purify the church. We, yes, we need to minister to these kids, but we need these kids for us because we see, we see the gospel. We see, we see grace. We see his adoption, and we can, we can ultimately become loving in that context. And so we just have a couple minutes. How can, the, how can people connect with your ministry, uh, our listeners who are listening right now? 
Yeah, we uh, we are a small nonprofit. We heard uh, I heard one of your podcasts with Billy Thrall. Yeah, and he said there are small nonprofits that are doing amazing work that maybe aren't on the radar of people, but we are one of those. Yeah, we have uh, really a lot of integrity in how we use our funds and the true work we're doing. Um, so one way is to get involved as a volunteer. If you're a skateboarder, love skateboarding, um, join us as a coach. Um, if you have uh, priorities, giving priorities to help foster kids, we could use uh, people to partner with mm. us financially and um, to spread the word. You know, we are small, but we want to reach as many kids in this way because we feel it's effective. We feel like there's an urgency. These kids are getting older and they're aging out. And so uh, a couple of ways you can come uh, get on our website, swapowplus.org. P-L-U-S or the plus sign? Uh, P-L-U-S, swapowplus.org, P-L-U-S. Um, we also ha- uh, do work with the Arizona Community Foundation. We have oh, an great. online giving portal through ACF. That, that is on our website. We're also having a sidewalk sale at Grand Canyon University. We have a lot of donated uh, action sports equipment, um, skateboards, longboards, apparel that we're going to be selling for really discounted prices to raise money for our programming. It's going to be on November 14th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. near the hotel at Grand Canyon University off Camelback. So those are some ways, but I'd love to hear from people um, and, and get their counsel get their partnership and, and maybe have you join our movement. Michael, this has been a great conversation. I love hearing more in detail about your, your ministry and so appreciate you kind of taking the time out of your busy life to come here. Thank you so much for being on Counterculture today. Thank you. This has been a really great time and a gift. Have a good day. Blessings to you and your ministry. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org.